When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. Looking through red and black lenses, it's In the Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Yeah, this is SENZ and uh, we are in the red. Justin Marshall joins me out of uh, Q-Town. Mate, looks like you've been out golfing today. How are you doing? <laughs> well spotted, Ricardo. Oh, yes, I have. Um... We continue to have magnificent weather down here. It's been the best summer, I think, in oh, at least 20 years. And uh, it just continues to keep giving. Um, in fact, you know, it's that bad that there's even a drought in Southland. Now, where could you ever ever remember there being a drought in Southland, Ricardo? Right. Holy moly. Yeah. That's saying something. That does say something. It must be good, mate. It must be good. How'd you go today? Uh, yeah, I struggled a little bit, to be fair to say, so it hasn't put me in the best of moods, but um, getting on the um, In the Red show um, certainly will lift my spirits because I can uh, focus on something else rather than my crappy golf game today. All right, well, I'll stop asking you about it then. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mate, the, uh, that, that, that game on uh, Friday night, the Crusaders up against the Highlanders, of course, uh, we saw a few things that I reckon might be a bit worrying for uh, for the coaching team there, particularly the amount of pill that uh, the Highlanders had in the uh, in the 22 of the Crusaders for much of that match. Yeah, look, it had a lot more drama to it than I guess what a lot of people expected when you, when you thought about the the process uh, leading into the game and current form, and you and you looked at the state of both sides. You knew that you knew deep down that the Highlanders in a, in a Southern Derby ca- uh, clash and how much love they have for the Crusaders uh, that they were, they were going to front up, and you'd expected them to to be gritty and be tough, but. Um, the Crusaders and the type of form they are and with the calibre and depth of player they've got in their squad that they would comfortably win the game. However, that wasn't meant to be. Um, I certainly feel that you could see not only in what he had to say after the game, Scott Robertson, but also just his ex- the, the, the way that he expressed himself as well. And, um, you know, he walked past quite a few people with an earshot of where I was, including me and was letting out big sighs of relief, really, because, mm. you know, that, that was a game that was very much in the balance and one that they could have very easily uh, found themselves on the receiving end of. And uh, I certainly don't think that they were expecting that when they entered into the match. And 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 I do know, having heard a bit of the pre-game chat, that, you know, having been beaten on their own patch by the Highlanders um, previously, they were pretty keen to make amends for that. It, it hurt getting beaten um, at home and... I think he was expecting a, a bigger and better response from his players than possibly what he got. It was interesting. I thought the, um, I mean, I looked at the the lineup for the the match from the Highlanders' point of view, and I thought that's probably a stronger forward pack uh, 
as they could have, you know, they could have put out. I mean, I know Manaki Selby Rickett and Ethan DeGroote came off the bench, and that was obviously something Tony was, uh, Tony Brown was thinking about for maybe the last half hour of the match to give him some firepower off the bench, which was fair enough. And I, th- and I thought they battled really well up front. I mean, you know, I, I said to uh, Goldie last week, made it for, you know, Orange Theory Stadium, hope for a bit of rain, uh, cancel out some of those outside backs, perhaps. And he was like, mate, how many All Blacks have they got in their forward pack? That's not going to do us any favours. They'll just grind it. Um, but, but I mean, that's where the battle was, and they, they really took it to the Crusaders. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and, and they did. And I, I certainly think that they, uh, when, when they get the balance right in their back row, you know, like Marino uh, Makaeli Tool, I think, at number eight, just gives just gives them in combination with Frizzell a real one-two punch, uh, carry and, and that loose forward trio. And and then, you know, when you get the likes of Lynchus, who's good over the ball, or uh, to a degree Evans, I think that's the better balance than starting Evans at number eight and, and leaving um, uh, Maka Elitu out of the mix. So they certainly looked better for that. You know, Frizzell was a threat and physical, so... Um, was Mikaeli Tool, and then you know when they brought on Gareth Evans later in the later in the game, then he he rolled up his sleeves and got to work at what he's really good at. So you know you conversely you look at the Crusaders and they they tweaked their lineup again. Um, obviously they wanted to reintroduce um, Pablo Matera back into the mix after he's been unwell, and uh, you know get him some game time. Um, you know, Blackadder's obviously starting to to get into some rhythm um, in the sixth jersey. Uh, so, look, I was really impressed also with Tom Christie, uh, Ricardo. I, I mm. thought that was probably the, the one of the more prominent games that he's had. Now, look, I, for the first time, I saw him probably fall off a few tackles. Um, and when I say a few, it's probably only two, <laughs> by memory, um, because he's been making a truckload, the most in the comp. But, I think that's because he got a better balance about his game. He actually got to carry the ball a bit, um, and I think they need that. I don't think they want the workload solely on the, the other two Lucys. And uh, I actually saw him, he's in the outside channel a couple of times, carrying out there. Um, he distributed a couple of times. So he's obviously starting to grow in confidence and get some rhythm in the way he's playing. So I think now the challenge for Razor um, is to get, a combination that he's putting out there week to week to week because at the moment he's still fluffing around with it a bit too much, I think. Um, but obviously, maybe he's had to do that because of uh, All Black minutes and also because of um, you know COVID in, in the camp. So I'm sure that he'd probably like to be a bit more settled in that area. Well, it's an interesting uh, move too when they took to, uh, took Tom Christie off with about 18 minutes to go. And Pablo Matera came on. Just the way that that uh, that back three sort of adjusted to that. I mean, we've seen Ethan Black at a sort of have a crack at at um, at either side of the scrum. I know Murray Mixted said to me a while ago. I think it was the end of last season that he thought he was probably a better seven than he was a six. Uh, yeah. I mean, what was what was your take on that and what you saw? Yeah, look, I I think he could equally play um, number eight um, as well as most people, but. I certainly think you're going to get the most out of him where he was on the blind side. Uh, and, and equally, I think that's number eight is Cullen Grace's position. I, I just think he looks a lot more confident in that jersey. Uh, he, he knows what he's there to do, and, and that is, you know, carry hard, get into the right areas. He, he doesn't have to clean as much. I don't think he's a natural cleaner of the ball. Mm. I think he's he's more a physical style player where he hits players hard, 
um, and then looks to get to his feet. I don't think he he wants to be. Um, he will have to, and he does do it. But I don't think he wants. You want a player like that cleaning monumental amount of rucks. Um, so I certainly think that balance is better. Uh, it doesn't mean that Blackadder can't play there. What was interesting to me was how how much they actually used Cullen Grace in the lineout. Um, and they don't tend to use Ethan Blackadder as much. So, you know, that's quite interesting. They're both big guys. Like, I know that um, they're both operating up around 110 clicks, um, if not more. So, uh, you know, the, 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 they've got to use one of them because they don't use Christie. So, well, they don't use him much. So, yeah, I, that's all factors into the balance of selecting a back row now. Mm. Um you know, because, you know, Matera, they used a little bit when he was playing number eight in the lineout. Um, so, look, I, I just think what the Crusaders need to get to is they need to get back to where they had a real threat off the back of the scrum like Kieran Reid was. And, and the way that Pitagas Sawakula is playing, like, honestly, so explosive off the back to a degree. So is Hoskins Sotutu and so is Adi Savia. Uh, Mika Tuu is explosive off the back. Whether it's in the game plan or not, that the number eights don't run off the back of that bloody great platform that the Crusaders usually um, set, I don't know. But funnily enough, we're not seeing the number eights running much off the back of the scrum. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. But that might be because they want them to fall into the pattern um, first uh, after first phase or after set piece um, rather than being tied up off the back of the scrum, I'm not sure. It'll be an interesting uh, question to ask when we get the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Well, we can uh, ask that shortly because Scott Hanson, assistant coach of the Crusaders, is going to join us. So uh, let's take a quick break now here on In the Red on SCNZ. And when we come back, Scott Hanson will join us and we'll ask him that question and a few others, Marshy. At 13 past seven here on In the Red, Ricardo Paul, Justin Marshall with you joining us now uh, out of the Crusaders campus. Scott Hanson. G'day, Scott. How are you doing? G'day, uh, Ricardo. Marshy, how are you guys? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good, good. How was uh, how was the camp uh, today? What was the the debrief from the weekend like? I'm I'm picking that didn't quite go as planned. No, I suspect both teams would have been going through their review today and acknowledging where they can be a lot better and how we um, should have taken the game by the scruff of the neck, really. And I'd, I'd suggest the Highlanders would have been doing the same. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that they left a few chances out there to, to actually get the win in the end. Um, and, and I guess uh, you guys might have been uh, a little worried, particularly when you saw the back of Shiloh Klein and you were down to 14 for that last three or four. Yeah, no, we had to find a way, didn't we? And we just talked about we're in a pretty uncomfortable position. Uh, we didn't have enough position. And we had to really rely on our defence, but they found a way. They showed a lot of resilience. The scramble D was outstanding from us and, and we got there in the end. So what we acknowledged today was some good learnings around that, uh, where we can be better and the opportunity we've got this week to show that. Scotty Marshy, hey, thanks for joining us, buddy, and that extreme late notice. Good to see that you weren't out and about um, dining at one of those high-caliber restaurants that I usually spot you at. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you looked uh, at that game and statistically broke it down, and it seems to be a bit of a trend, does it does it concern you that you're having to, to double the tackle count of most of the teams you're coming up against? Obviously, the Chiefs was an exception the previous week, which is an outstanding performance, mate. But, 
you know, for the a couple of games before that and the one at the weekend, you're you're having to go deep to the well tackling. Is that is that a bit of a worry? But as you well know, Marshy, with the New Zealand teams, mate, just the ability to hold on to the ball and take care of possession and all the advantage in the game at the moment is with the attacking side. Mm. As well as that is the ability to play on the right end of the field. So we're backing our DNA around where and how we want to play on the field. But, yeah, it definitely is us talking around if we are willing to kick the ball and keep it in field and apply pressure through our defence, then where's the opportunity to get it back? And as you saw on Friday evening, also just just having the confidence to stick to our game and, and maintaining it at the right area of the field too. We, we probably just acknowledged where we didn't really kick on our terms enough. And, and the example that we, that we used again was from the Chiefs where the balance was right. And as you well know, mate, our balance was probably off on Friday evening, so there's good learnings there for us as a group. Yeah, absolutely. What about um, we, we're having a bit of a chat about looking at uh, the, the selection of some of the players and or the way the makeup of your side. Obviously, you've had to get through COVID and and and, and injuries as well. Um, but Cullen Grace seems to um, be coming right. You had him at number eight. Um, you know, you look at the likes of Sawakula and Savia, they get off the back of the scrum a bit. Is that something you're wanting your, your number eight to do? Or is he more want to be balanced out with the type of game plan and, and synergy that you want just with the with the 15 in general? Is that what you're aiming for? Yeah, I think so, mate. It really is um, the strategy that we take in each week and what allows us to get on the front foot. And, mate, as we know, some teams are using their number eights really well off the back of the scrum. What that does to teams defensively is change a lot of deformation around the backs and who you've who you got to acknowledge. Uh, for us, our set piece, our dominance, our ability to play off the back of the scrum and also seek penalties through it. So we're definitely mm. open to it, Marshy. It's just the opportunity that we need to work towards. What's... Hard about, I know this is a million dollar question, but what have you found hard about breaking down this New Zealand defence? You know, everybody knows each other so well, like you're banging heads for the third season in a row. Is it the, is it the line speed? Is, is it the fact that it's hard to get on the, on the outside of some of these defenders? You know, what, what do you think is the, the toughest area to try and break through? You've, mate, you've been very good and, you're the best in the comp. 12 tries from uh, set piece is absolutely outstanding. So you've obviously found a way there. But getting through it after that on 10th and 11th phase, what's the key to breaking that down? Well, mate, as you well know, Marsh, it, mate, it really is utilising your leverage and, and your power in the game. And that's based around our DNA and our set piece and going. The key thing around the defences, mate, is they all offer opportunity. So if you're willing to have line speed and, and work out to in and come to in, then the boys are aware of where the space mm. is, and that's on edges. They're also aware of where the opportunity is through teams and around. We're at our absolute best when we've got the ball in hand and we're engaging the line and we're building pressure. Where we're challenging our game at the moment is taking care of position for longer, mate. And the defence, at this stage is really well organised and you're not so much creating those breaches around your first three phases. You actually have to be disciplined and work a wee bit longer. And the more you work, the more you open up your kick game as well. And 
as mm. you know, mate, we've, our kick game creates our attack as well, and, and most teams are working towards that. But I look at all defences and see the opportunity there is that they create, just like defences look at the attack and see opportunities to influence it. Yeah, well answered, mate. I totally agree. Hey, uh, not lots to change since you and I were out there playing against the Hurricanes or Wellington. Um, God, they're a hard team to prepare for, aren't they? When you watch them, I know that you would have already done your prep, but they, they can be so dangerous. Um, and then, again, you can get them. Um, how, how have you been going, focusing on breaking them down and make sure when you, you go up to that stadium, you can come away with a W? Yeah, well, we've just acknowledged our learnings from the weekend for us. And we've had a, a little look at the Hurricanes and we'll come back in tomorrow and go through our plans and strategy. But one thing we all know as Crusaders is, golly gosh, have they got some power up there. And mm. when they get a wee whack on the nose, mate, they can be decisive and dynamic. An example of that is Savia's carry on the weekend. Like, that's the kind of power and pop that they've got. Then yep. you've got, obviously, Barrett at 12. That's decisive and strong in the kicking game. So it's going to be a massive challenge for us. What, what do we need to do well? I think we've just acknowledged it through this conversation, mate. We just need to take care of our position. We need to build our pressure in our game, and the balance is key for us. So it'll be a massive occasion up there in the weekend. Well, mate, hey, really appreciate you joining us. Good luck for that game. At the end of the day, look, we're breaking down a side that's winning rugby, and you're you're in you're in a good place. Um, so, you know, the the frightening thing is, I guess, for everybody else in this competition, that you guys, I believe, can get even better. So good luck for the weekend. I'll see you up there, buddy. And um, thanks for joining us again at late notice. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Ricardo, Marshy, pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Scott. Thanks very much for, for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it coming on on your Monday night. And uh, yeah, Marshy, it, it feels like the, the, the Crusaders, they really know, I mean, you know, they're pretty, they, they're pretty honest in their assessments. They don't get prickly mm. when you tell them something's up because they know something's up as well. And they're, they're quite free, free to admit that and, and, and tell you that that's what they're working on. Yeah, well, it's great to hear that, you know, coming out of Scott Hanson, you know, he's aware of where they need to get better. He, he's aware of where the opposition are putting them under pressure. Um, but he's also very well tuned to how they can still win games. And, and like he said, the first thing that we do is we heap praise on them because, you know, like we had, they had to double the tackle count of, of the Highlanders. The Highlanders were on a real roll, had them under that pressure inside their 22. And many, many teams in the comp would probably fold under that pressure. So it's not about, first of all, giving them an absolutely bollocking and kicking a few chairs around in the changing room and spilling the lollies all over the place. Um, <laughs> it's about grabbing the lollies and giving them all one and go, hey, chuck a few of these in your mouth because you've earned it out there. Yeah, you might be a bit disappointed with, you know, the mistakes we made and the things we didn't do right out there. But ultimately, we're sitting in this changing room. We're about to crack a few beers now, look each other in the eye and know that, that, that we got the job done. And, and they didn't. And uh, like I said, the frightening thing is, I believe personally, I believe they're operating around 75% at the moment. I, I think they've got, you know, another 25% in them. And that is frightening because at the moment they're trucking along pretty nicely. Yeah, they're going all right, all right. Uh, you're not wrong there. Quick question for you, mate. I mean, you'll know, uh, I mean, Scott Robertson's uh, approach to coaching will be different to Steve Hansen's, will be different to Robbie Dean's, etc. Mm. But uh, will Shiloh Klein... Have been getting any of those lollies after uh, that red card? 
Oh, yeah, he'll get an arm around him. Raises that type of coach, you know. He's good because he will make him aware of the error that he's made and, more importantly, how he's put his, how he's put the rest of the players under pressure at the wrong time, if there's ever a right time um, in the game. But he'll also be very well aware that I'm, I'm, I'm very sure that Shiloh Klein didn't intend to execute that tackle the way that he did. He just got his technique wrong, and he and he and he got his his collision wrong. So he'll make sure that he's uh, he's got his arm around him, but he's also saying, "Mate, you can't you can't be that way. You've got to get your execution better." Um, so learn from that, and I don't want to see you in the same position again. Here, have a lolly. Yeah, here, have a lolly. I uh, tell you, in terms of lollies for the coach, um, he's getting a real big blonde lolly coming back this month, and and Jack Goodhue. Uh, that's yeah. it's made on a, a you know you look at the, the what he's got to choose from now. You add Goodhue to that mix, man. It's uh, you know a bit of a cliche, but it's like having a, a fresh new player. You know, like it's it's like having a new toy out of the box halfway through the season. Yeah, it is, and and he adds something completely different uh, to to a, th- a threat across that already classy backline and you know you've got Enor back now um, fully fit and raring to go um, you know how good was Sever Reese at the weekend not only when he got his opportunities but um, offensively as well so you know um, you, you throw into the mix George Bridge you know finding a nuku they've got to find a spot for him how well is Will Jordan playing yeah, yeah absolutely like Razor must be you know, really thrilled with the fact that he's got uh, Jack Goodhue coming back with, you know, as, as I said, you know, good old Liam Neeson. He's got a particular set of skills um, <laughs> and he knows how to utilise them. So, you know, I, I guess the biggest conundrum that the Crusaders are facing at the moment is, you know, we're, we're at we're at the business end of this, this comp now. Um, and I think they probably know with the greatest respect they can tweak a little bit against once it goes to the uh, playing the Australian teams for, for particular games. But, you know, for the next um, sort of few weeks, when we're winding this down over here, they're important games to win. And I think he needs to get probably a good, solid selection out there. So that'll be interesting to see how and when players get introduced and how much he now starts to tweak um, the back row, the back three and all that, or whether he starts to get some solid selections from week to week to week. Now, you poured plenty of praise on uh, on Cullen Grace, and he, he, I think he deserves it too from what we've seen this season. Uh, it looks, for all money, like Pablo Matera's a nice to have, but not a need have. Uh, probably not. You know, if if Scott's choosing his best team, Pablo Matera is probably not in the fifteen. What does that say about the way that the Crusaders have developed that loose forward trio? And the you know, you know, we had Kieran Reid, Richie McCaw, Matt Todd not that long ago, and everybody went, mm. man, how are they going to replace those three? It's like, well, hello, a couple of years later. Yeah, absolutely. It says a lot, doesn't it? And, and, it, and it really does um, bring to the forefront of how much depth there is and how much how much talent he has to play with. Um, I don't know how far he's prepared to go. You know, would he consider a back row of Grace, um, Matera and Blackadder? Mm. Um, you know, like uh, he's good over the ball, Ethan Blackadder, and he's an absolute nuisance at the breakdown and at the ruck. And, you know, we did say... I felt that six was his preferred position, but could he possibly be a player that Razor looks at with a seven on his back? Because that is then starting to very much look like what we've been saying the UK and particularly France and Ireland are producing big, uh, strong back rowers that can carry, that can turn ball over, 
Um, you know, you look at that, those three players as a back row, that, that is very much along that trend. Yeah, very much so, mate. Very much so. All right, Marshy, before we go and and wrap up in the red for another week, uh, we need to get your picks for this weekend. Friday night, I'm I'm seeing this as uh, your old mate Aaron Major will be looking at this and going, Phew, just what we need. Go down south, the team that's just lost to the Crusaders by three and had three and hasn't had a win all season, but Antonio Brown will be looking at it going, All right, here's our here's our duck breaker. Uh, which way are you going? Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Uh, it's a massive opportunity for Mana Pacifica to, to get a team that are hurting at the moment and uh, are doubting themselves. But there's just too there's just too much there that I've seen so far, and unfortunately um, for Moana Pacifica, so I'm going to stick with the Highlanders at home. I think they'll get their first win of the season. All right, uh, the Force at home to the Rebels. Yeah, I've been impressed with the Force, so I'll stick with backing them, which I've done so far this season. They haven't really let me down, apart from once. Apart from once. Uh, the Hurricanes, who are, uh, they've shown this season they're always dangerous late. They beat the Blues late. Uh, they came back and gave the Chiefs a scare on Sunday late. Um, uh, are they going to have too much to do to come late against the Crusaders on Saturday? That's very well led in. Uh, that, that was a nice intro, Ricardo. <laughs> Thank but you. We, we, we are on the rugby show called In the Red. <laughs> Um, all about Crusaders rugby with Justin Marshall and it's supposed to be Ricardo Ball so if you're looking for me to say the Hurricanes unfortunately that is not going to come out of my mouth Alright, okay uh, Chiefs Blues after that that is going to be a humding it's probably the match of the round isn't it? Yeah it is and um, really mouth-watering clash to look forward to but uh, in my mind I'm still utterly impressed with this Chiefs, Chiefs outfit um, even without Brody Retallick and I think they'll get the job done as well Yeah and then uh, lastly, the Drua take on the Brumbies. Uh, that's Brumbies all day, isn't it, unfortunately, for the Drua? Yep, the Drua will be tenacious. They've got some players coming back, as Jacko told us yesterday, but um, I think the Brumbies too strong. Yeah, all right, mate. Good stuff, Marshy. Thanks again, and we'll catch up with you on Saturday on the uh, uh, Bunnings Trade Rugby Run from Wendell 3. You certainly will, Ricardo. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Into the Red. Uh, go the Crusaders. Yeah, yes, indeed. Boy. This has been In the Red. The Crusaders take on the Canes uh, 4.35 on Saturday afternoon. Up next, Peter Alatini is in studio, and it's all about Pacific Flair and Moana Pacifica. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.